Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hi, everyone. I'm Monico Frederick, and I'm super excited to share my near-death experience with you all today. So I was home in bed when I died. And it's interesting because I thought coming from a background of having worked in intensive care that you were supposed to like die in a hospital or maybe die at hospice. So the idea of just lying down and dying was so surprising to me. But yeah, I was in bed at home when it happened. And I remember just feeling the heaviness of my body and feeling like the life energy was draining out of me, like the same way that energy would maybe drain or water would drain from a pool. That's how it felt to me. And I remember just focusing on my breathing and thinking, breathing's really kind of overrated and hard. I felt like I had this huge crushing weight on me. It was like a, it was just this massive weight sitting on my chest. And I remember just pushing this weight back up and letting it fall and pushing the weight back up and letting it fall. And I did that over and over again. And finally, I just thought, I think I'll stop. And in that moment, I remember feeling like, oh, that means you're going to die, but also you're not dying. So I wasn't afraid. And so I remember just letting my breath go. And my first thought was kind of funny. It was, oh, that's so much better. Breathing's really overrated. It's so funny we have to think we, that we think we have to do it. And then I just felt so alive in that moment. And I remember hearing my heart stop beating. And I remember the buzzing. I, and this is interesting. I didn't know that our nervous system had a buzzing sound, but there was this sort of hum or buzzing sound that faded away, I think, as my nervous system shut down. And then there was this brilliant light that I was really focused as I was toward the end of breathing. I remember just feeling this light like right here on my forehead and just getting brighter and brighter to where I just got really fixated on it. And then after my last breath, I was completely consumed by it, but in a good way in like this, it's always been there. And I just forgot or hadn't seen it. It was very familiar, this light. And it wasn't like one light. It was like thousands of suns shining at me, but it didn't feel too bright. It was really warm and comforting. Again, it was familiar, like it had always been there and I just forgot about it. And I remember after that, just allowing myself to kind of be consumed in that light and be in that and be in the 
just feeling love and peace. And then I was floating above my room. And I remember my husband was off in the kitchen. We knew I was really sick. Clearly, we didn't know how bad it was. And I remember just processing that he would be okay. And he was making me tea because that's how we didn't realize how bad off I was. And I remember just feeling like he's going to be okay. And I remember feeling the life he was going to have, like he'll remarry, he'll have kids. It's not the same love that we have, but he'll be okay. And then I remember still just floating and, and just sort of emotionally, energetically, I don't know how to explain it, but like just not saying goodbye to my parents and my family, but just overwhelming gratitude for them and love because I knew I was about to step on the other side of this very thin veil and then I wouldn't be here again. And so it wasn't this sad goodbye, but just like, thank you. And I love you. And I'm grateful for you. And then I stepped into the other side of the veil. I didn't step. There's no body. Right. So, but then I was on the other side of the veil. And once I was there, that's when I, there was another being there. And for this being, it it felt, it wasn't like a family member waiting for me. It was really like this being, it was like their job to help me through the next process, which was my life review. And so, you know, at the time I was 29, I didn't know what a life review is. I didn't know what, I had never heard of an NDEs. Like I'd never heard anyone's stories anyways. So we go through what becomes my life review. And it really was this beautiful process of not every moment of every day, not like every time I tied my shoes and brushed my teeth, right? But it was a life review of moments of decision and interaction, these really key important moments in my life. And you, I got to see and witness and experience, like re-experience these moments of my life when I was, I guess you could say, like living from my heart, living from my soul or living from my ego. And the first moment that I was living from my ego that they showed me that was really painful because, you know, like toddlerhood, babyhood, that was all bliss. And then I came to this moment where I was living out of my ego and I was really like in kindergarten with a friend and I was basically being mean to her on purpose. And in this moment, I experienced myself being mean to her and I experienced her as if I was in her body, feeling and watching myself. So all of this is happening at the same time. I am me, I am her. And then I'm also divine consciousness or God consciousness, that infinite reality, however you want to express God, right? And so I was all three at once and I got to see how I was making her feel, not because I was witnessing it, but because I was witnessing me and how I was hurting her feelings. And so that was really that first moment that I chose to basically be mean on purpose. And those are those moments of the decision that I was being shown throughout my life. And there was also, you know, and that was excruciating and not because there was judgment or, you know, God was mad at me or anything like that. It really was because there is no judgment. I think the judgment comes from me. The humanness in me was like, what are you doing? Stop, stop, don't do that, right? And so that really intense regret and pain because I experienced her pain as if I was her, like feeling her heart, right? And then moving on, we, I got to experience moments where I was living from my heart and my soul. And those moments were like, there's so much love and joy and gratitude from the universe that literally I, it would have exploded me if I was still in a human body. Like you can't take, and we can't 
process that much joy and that much love. And so as hard as those moments were when I chose to live from ego and be rude or be mean or whatever, they were so hard. The moments of joy were just exponentially and infinitely just such a gift, such joy, because that really is like, hey, you're living as who you really are, because that's who you are. And so it was, there was such a gift from the universe to show us, to show me that and to show everybody that because we all get to go through this. So after that, we go through the life review and I remember moving into, it was a different space, but the whole time I'm not like right now, I'm not seeing anything with my human eyes, right? I mean, I'm seeing my life review. I'm watching almost like a movie of myself, but experiencing it in this very interactive way. And then we moved into a different realm and it wasn't a realm where I could see with my human eyes. Everything was dark but it wasn't without light. And it felt to me like a single ray of light would have been like a foreign object there. So when I say dark, it wasn't bad dark. It just didn't have the same light that we're accustomed to. And that's where these four souls were enough waiting for me, but they were there and they were guiding me through another experience. And it was a very quiet, very powerful, a very sacred experience where it felt like they were sort of like plugging into me or giving me a download of information that I would need one day. And there was just this stillness and silence while I received this information. And, you know, the interesting thing is I wasn't receiving it in words. They weren't like, well, let me tell you something and we're going to describe this to you. And no, it was nothing like that. It was like, it was like being handed a box, but you couldn't open it and you knew you were supposed to do something with it. And so once that sort of download or upload or however you, whatever you call it was complete, I, I felt like, okay, this is it. Like I understand who I am. Right. I was, I was coming into more understanding of this. And then the interesting thing we moved, it sort of completed. There wasn't like a, okay, you're done. It was just that moment was complete. And then I went into the state of pure oneness with everybody, with them, with love, with infinite reality with infinite love, infinite joy. And then I saw, I experienced that for a long time. And, you know, it's funny because time's not linear. So people have asked like, well, how long? And I'm like hundreds of years, like 800 years, a thousand years. I don't know. There was no time, but I just got to experience just that ultimate reality of oneness and love and ever expanding bliss, which is who we all are because that's our ultimate reality. And then I got sort of distracted. So it was almost like I got not slight, a little disconnected from the ultimate reality where I wasn't just one, but I had a I had a thought outside of oneness. And the thought was, hey, there's a light over there. And I saw this little white light and it got bigger and bigger. And then I started to see this scene unfold where this sort of an outline of a being, like a silhouette of somebody was sort of like, coming through down and the light was here, almost like a circle, like a tube. And the, this little light was floating through and then it started to go through the tube. And so I asked, who is that? And they said, it's the part of you that gets attached. And we just were witnessing in silence as this part of me sort of went through this light until it was gone. And then I was just back in that ultimate reality of love. And at that point, I shed 
every notion of who I am as Mariko, right? My name, at the time I was an avid rock climber. It was like my love of rock climbing was gone. My identity of who I was was gone. Everything I thought I was was gone. And I was who I really was. So all of the humanness of who I thought I was, my human story just faded away. And then I stepped into where I became who I really am as infinite and who you are, right? We all are this. So it's not just me, but who I got to experience myself as the infinite soul, as one, as one with everyone and love and joy and infinite bliss and infinite peace, because that is our true nature. And I was experiencing this. And I remember just feeling like I am love. I am joy. I was never Mariko. What was I thinking? You know, it was kind of this, it was a sweet epiphany. (laughs) And I just, was there again for just hundreds and hundreds of years. And then I hear this voice say, and it wasn't a voice in human words. And so what I've come to call it is like thought waves. It was like a wave of a thought coming into me. And then I sort of translated it into human, what we would call human words. It's sound, right? Because there's not sound in the same way there. And so said to me, as I'm standing here and it did feel like I was standing right out, just watching the universe and one with the universe and one with bliss and there is no one else. And then they said, it's not your time. You have to go back. And I was like, no, (laughs) no. And they said, it's not your time. You have to go back and help people. And again, I was, I said, "Mm -mm, no, no, I'm good. And again, it wasn't in words, but it was just this thought wave of resistance of no way I'm not going back there. I don't, who do you want me to go back and be? You know, I'd forgotten who Mariko was at that point. And they finally, they really gave me more of this. It's so interesting because we're limited with human words and how we can describe what's really happening. So I could say they said this, but they're not just saying it. They're like infusing me with the knowledge of everybody has a time, a specific time that they can leave this world. And you can't go before or after that time. It's not your time. You have to go back and help people. It's not your time. Go back and help them. Remember who you are and go back and help them. Remember who you are. Go back and help them. And that, you know, it's not just words and thought waves. It's just this sort of divine infusion of my, what I sort of refer to as my soul assignment, what I'm here to do, which is remember who I am and go back and help people. And so at that, I said, okay. And there was just this sort of welling up of love of like, okay, I want to go back. I want to help whatever this is. And so, you know, you don't know what you're doing when you're there. It's not like you do this every day. So I was like, okay, I'll go back. And I couldn't get back in my body. Because how would I? I don't know what I'm doing. There's not like a directions of this is how you do it, right? So that's all I said was, I can't get back. And there's no fear. Again, there's just love. And I remember this force almost like being hurtled through infinite space, like at just such intense speed. And that's what it felt like. Like I was being pushed from behind so fast. And then boom, I was back in my body and just raking pain head to toe. And I took in a breath and I came back and my husband was actually slapping me on the face, like shaking me, Mariko, Mariko. And I came back and sort of cracked open my eyes and, and he said, where'd you go? And I said, I died. 
he said that my skin color was a shade of gray. And I don't know how long, you know, if he had just come upon me and started shaking me, I interesting that I never asked that. It's such a sacred moment. Honestly, I, it took years to talk about, it took me a long time to be able to talk about it because you don't want to lose any of it. And then you come back different. You know, I didn't come back the same. I shed every piece of my identity while I was there and then I'm back and who am I now? Right. So I was just in that joy for, I mean, over a year where I was just radiating love, but I was also sick in bed. So it wasn't like I came back and I was thriving and living my best life. Like I was sick for years. So I came back, I took a breath. There's just raking pain head to toe. And my first thought was I have to go to the hospital. And in that moment, the guides or the beings came almost like pulled me back in a little bit to their side, to the other side. And I was, again, filled with love and joy and bliss and just no pain, no fear. And they said, don't use Western medicine. And again, they sort of infuse you with it. They pour it into you. It's a download. And my understanding at the time was that Western medicine wouldn't have helped. It could have potentially hurt me more. And so I didn't. So I came back knowing that it wouldn't help. And then five weeks later, I thought, well, I'm still really sick. You know, my body was very, very sick. And I found a doctor who had just moved to town. And he, interestingly enough, eight years prior had also had a near-death experience. And so when I told him about my experience, he's like, okay, we can do some lab tests and find out what happened, exactly what happened to you, but we're not going to do anything invasive. And it was just so beautiful that the universe sent me somebody who understood the message that I had been given about not using Western medicine. So I ended up using alternative medicine for a long time to get well. So when I came back, I think it's such a sacred moment and my husband, it like it extended the energy I brought back with me or the the frequency I brought back with me extended into the room. And it was like, I opened my eyes, I took a breath and went like when I finally all the way came back and my husband, I could just see it in his eyes. Like he was feeling it too. Like we were in this bubble together and I told him everything that happened And then some people started finding out what happened and they're like, you should talk about it. You should write about it. You should this, you should that. And I was like, I couldn't because at the time it took a long time to one process myself, what just happened Two, remember I had shed everything I was. So I'm just sitting here going, how do I go be human again? How do I go do this? And I'm sick. So it's not like I'm getting up and running around and going back to work. And I remember just feeling lost and yet so solid in who I was and what we're here to do. But the humanness in me was lost. I didn't know how to come back and be human again, if that makes sense. I was really, I had to come back and almost like reinvent myself. And I had doubts, right? Because you can think you're crazy. And I had never read or listened to anybody's near-death experience prior to that. And I did. I thought maybe I was dreaming. Maybe that wasn't real. Maybe maybe I made it up. And then you go into, maybe I'm a really bad person and I made it up and I'm just getting attention or whatever. Like you have all these really awful thoughts go in your head. And I didn't talk about it and I wasn't reading other people. So I didn't have that confirmation that like, oh yeah, this is what other people go through. This is normal. You're okay. 
so it was hard. It wasn't easy. It was, uh, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever been through because it wasn't a loss of health, right. Which I went through. And at the time, prior to getting this into this accident, I had contracted Lyme disease and had no idea. So (laughs) it took 10 years to get my health completely back again. So it was a really long journey for me. It wasn't like I died and I got this download and it was great. It was, it was a struggle for a decade. Yeah. It's easy to think you're crazy. And then I knew the assignment on my soul, as you know, was to share who I really am and what I remember from staying conscious between lifetimes. So that made it a little bit more difficult for me. So my healing journey took a long time, as I said, and it, I used Chinese medicine right away. At the time I was practicing alternative medicine, Chinese medicine. So I was really familiar with it. So I went to one of my teachers and he helped me. I used herbal medicine, um, Chinese herbs, teas, Chinese teas that I could drink. And then eventually I found a doctor, and this is three and a half years later, who treated me for Lyme disease and who was a doctor from Europe and America. And so she combined alternative medicine with Western medicine and it helped. But in the beginning, as far as how did I come back, you know, the interesting thing is it took a long time. I was very sick, but I kept thinking, well, you know, most people would be like, you have to go to the hospital. You know, my urine is full of blood and looks like oil, right? It's my body had been through a lot. And I just kept thinking, well, it's not like I'm going to die because they won't let me. So that's kind of my take on it. That was, I think the most comforting thing on my journey of healing was knowing that I wasn't going to die because they wouldn't let me. So I felt pretty safe. However, I would say that knowing I wasn't going to die was this great. And being sick for so long, I felt like I was existing with an assignment on my soul that I couldn't do. And that was, that was devastating. So when they told me to go back and help people, they kept reiterating, remember who you are, go back and help them. Remember who you are. And I knew what they were talking about. You know, I may have wanted to pretend like I didn't know. I knew exactly what they were saying because the thing about me is I thought this was normal and I stayed conscious between my last life and this one. So I remember everything about my last life and dying and my life review from that life and I don't remember it like I forgot. I remember it like I remember my wedding day or, you know, high school graduation. I didn't forget it. I, it just, it's always a part of me. For me, it's one long lifetime from my last life, dying in that life, having the life review, going through all of that. And then everything we go through in between lifetimes. And I think it's different because not everybody's from the same realm and people have different experiences. But for me, I went to a realm of light called the astral realm. And lived an entire lifetime there, made of light. Everyone's made of light. The planet is made of light. And then from there, I moved on to a higher realm called the causal realm, which is the thought realm where our thoughts originate. So it's where thoughts begin in our consciousness. And I had an entire lifetime there. And then I went into pure bliss consciousness and oneness with God and just had an entire lifetime there is no there, but it's an entire lifetime of, of oneness with God consciousness. And I got to see the process of humanity and enlightenment and people living their lives, trying to go into the higher realms because 
you know, there are different level realms and earth is like a sea average realm. Like it's not that great. Right. And I think we know that looking around, it's not that great. So there are higher realms and there are lower realms. And so the goal of humanity of your soul is to move into the highest realm. And you can do that in one lifetime. You don't have to reincarnate. You can do that in one life, but it does take effort. Um, and that's what we call enlightenment. So I got to witness and experience it all. And so when they said, and then all of a sudden I went from oneness and bliss and just being in this ever expanding gold light of God consciousness. And then all of a sudden I remember feeling love and just feeling so much love and then feeling the love in my heart. And then it dawned on me, I have a heart. Oh, I have a body. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) And so, and then I was a baby in a crib in this life. And then I remember that. So for me, remember who you are, go back and help people was, was a very big assignment. And it became something that I, you know, was very afraid to share because I thought people would think I was crazy or weird or rejected or whatever. And, you know, some may, and what I've come to know now is it's fine. It's people are of all different levels of consciousness. And first I am for some people, some people want to hear this message and some people don't, and it's perfect. So So much of what I am here for, for humanity and my message isn't just to share my near-death experience in this life when I was 29. Actually, I think the more important one was when I died in my last life. And I remember being a very successful man in my last life, standing in the second floor of my home. I felt very wealthy, very successful. I felt the same success and being as modern as anybody would feel standing on the you know, a high rise building in Manhattan today. And yet when I look back at where I was and the type of building I was in, we're looking at like potentially 500 to a thousand years ago in a stone building. And I remember standing at my window and I had just gotten the news from my doctor that I wasn't going to live very long, you know, looking down, watching the, there was a very narrow street in front of me. It wasn't really a street. It was like a Back then I referred to it as a street, right? But it was enough room for like people to walk. And there was another building on the other side of this narrow path. And I remember watching the guy go by with his vegetable cart. He like, he had the handheld vegetable cart with the wheels in front. And I remember he was heading home. It was the end of day and he had three daughters and he lived a ways away. And I remember feeling so angry and jealous because I was, you know, my ego, right? My ego in this life. So I I was like, wait, I'm important in this life. I was, I had some sort of role where I was, I would make sure everybody got what they needed. So I don't know what the roles were back then, but like, I remember my most recent role before I left that world, before I died was I had fixed the windmill of our village, of our town. I'd gotten that fixed. And if somebody needed food, I would make sure they got food. Or if somebody had a fire, we would like, I was the person that made everything work in the community. So I felt, I felt very important. And so I was standing there just feeling just so many emotions watching this guy go down the street with his vegetable cart to go home. And when I died, and I remember that whole experience too, and it's in my book. I wrote all of it in my book, um, Soul Priority. But when I died, I went through my life review and they showed me my possibility. They showed me my potential in that life of what I could have done had I worked from my soul, had I lived from my soul, had I used my intuition and just led from my heart. And so of course my answer was like, put me back in, I'll go back, I'll do it, I'll do it, right? And their answer was, you can't, you died. 
it's too late and you'll never be that person again. And to me, that's, that's just devastating. You know, I carry that with me every day. And if I can prevent anybody from going through that, that's what I want to do. I don't want anyone to leave this world having not lived the assignment on their soul all the way to the full potential of what we're capable of. Not just as humans, but like superhumans, right? Because not everybody's from this realm. There are people from higher realms here and they're being called to live a higher assignment on their life. But we get this multiple choice doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever, in this lifetime of what you want to do with your life. And then there's people here to create something brand new that the world has never seen. And I think my mission in life is so much about helping people step into that higher realm energy, that frequency, and remember who they are so that they can go back and help people. It's not just a message from me, it's for everybody. So after I left that world, I think that is so much of why I show up, you know, even when it's scary to share my story and grow my business and all the things I'm doing and write my book is because it's not about me at all. And I think humanity, it's time to up level. So that after that experience, though, and that experience is it's longer than that. But after that, I went into the next higher realm called from what I've learned to to know it as here in this realm, potentially called the astral realm. That's what I refer to it as. And that realm, it was a planet of light. The whole planet was made of light. And like flowers and trees and grass and water was all made of light and our bodies were made of light and we communicated through what we would call you know telepathy and but it wasn't just telepathy it was like these vibrations of love and through the I guess it was thought waves right so it was like telepathy but thought waves so this vibration of a thought infused in frequency and love that communicated everything you wanted to the person you're talking to. And that's really where I had the reunion with my family, right? My wife had died in my last life. My wife had died before me, which was devastating because we left, I left my daughter in that life when she was young. I had the reunion with my family, previous aunts, uncles, cousins, sisters from, from my lifetime, but also from previous lifetimes, I had my reunion with them. And it was like, it was like a family reunion and even animals. There was a couple animals or one particular animal that came who I had been connected with through many lifetimes. And that was that first sort of moment of coming back. And then from there, I spent an entire lifetime. And what I would say is, you know, it's so similar to earth in a way. I mean, it's not, and that it is because I wasn't fully enlightened. I was just living in my higher self, my astral body, but I still had a lot of human qualities. And so, so I get there and there's people like sitting by the river in circles, sitting in different areas of the astral realm. There's benches. There's like, like felt like benches anyways, under trees, everything is nature. There was no building. It was just a world of bliss nature. You never got too cold. If you needed fruit, if you needed food, if you got hungry, it wasn't hungry. It was like my battery's low. And then you would either just manifest this. It's like a smoothie, but it wasn't, it wasn't, but it was like this astral nectar and you can drink it and then it would just be gone. Or you could pick astral fruit from the trees and consume it. And then your energy level would come back up. Um, but inter interestingly enough, so similar to humanity, we get caught up in ego. Again, I was not fully enlightened. So I got caught up in ego. And I remember watching these groups of what I like high conscious souls talking every day. They would meet and they would talk. And I was like, oh, and I wasn't at that level. So I found a meadow and I would be there in the meadow every day. And 
as my consciousness, and I made the effort to increase my consciousness, to raise my consciousness, all I wanted was the higher teachings. And I, I eventually got to have um, a high enough consciousness to where I could go and interact with those people. And here's the interesting thing for humanity. We're so similar. I finally got to go into that group and be with them and be one with them and start talking and having these very elevated interactions. I hate to say conversations because it's not human the way we we think of it. And eventually I would watch people kind of leave the group and I'd be like, wow, why would you want to leave? Like, we're having such a great time. This is like, we have arrived, right? This is great. And then more and more people would kind of join and then other people would leave. And eventually I realized, oh my gosh, I've gotten caught up in ego. It, It feels good. I'm not seeking oneness. I'm just getting caught up in conversation and ego and feeling the energy of these high conscious people around me, but that's not the goal of life. So eventually I removed myself from the group. I went back to my meadow. I'm went into basically meditation every day and just called out for the higher teachings and really tried to reach a higher state of consciousness. Um, And eventually I did. And there was sort of a celebration before I moved on to the next realm, uh, the causal realm, the realm of thought and idea. And it was really neat because I was there standing with my spiritual teacher and the person that would be my husband and the person, the soul that would be my child. And there was just, and and a lot of other souls too, just sort of celebrating me. And it wasn't because I'm so special. Like other people went through this too. Let me just say, I'm telling you my experience, but other souls went through this too. And then from there, I went into the higher realm of the causal realm. And that's where I saw, I mean, again, a whole lifetime in, in a couple minutes here that I'm trying to convey. But at that point, I got to do a life review because I was at that point screaming for the higher teachings. I want the higher teachings. I want the higher teachings. That was all I was saying. That was all my only focus. That was my only mission. And at some point I finally got it. And I went through a life review of every life I've ever been through, starting from the insect kingdom, moving into the animal kingdom, moving into the human kingdom. And I got to see my entire life journey through the eyes of every life I've been through. And the ultimate reality is that we are all one and there is no one else. And we are to the reason we're here. I mean, you can, I talk about soul assignment and what are you here to do? Because some people are here to do to up-level humanity and help move us into the higher ages. But in general, we're not here to do anything. We're just here to be connected completely to our souls and be infinite radiant love. And that's it. That's all you have to do is, is be who you already are. It's very simple.